Welcome to this episode of Planting Seeds. I'm Keith Jones, the preaching minister of the Calera Church of Christ, and I've prepared a short message from Scripture that's intended to be the planting of a seed that, if cultivated, will in time produce fruit in the lives of the listeners. Now, let's get started. The Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you and be gracious and give you peace. As we continue our journey through the book of Joshua, today's episode will focus on Joshua chapter 4. If you have a Bible with you, follow along while I read. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask you in time to come, What do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And, and they are there to this day. For the priest bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished, that the Lord had commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. The people passed over in haste, and when all the people had finished passing over, the ark of the Lord and the priest passed over before the people. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over arm before the people of Israel, as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle onto the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priest bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priest to come up out of the Jordan. And when the priest bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground. The waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan. Joshua set up at Gilgal, and he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God 
did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. It's interesting as we read this chapter, uh, we see that scripture often uh, finds us prone to forget our history with God. And because of that, a memorial is going to be set up over and over again in scripture. God uh, tells his people to remember things and and gives them ways to remember uh, important events, Uh, even the death of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? There is a memorial meal, the Lord's Supper, that we share together as a way to remember the significance of that sacrifice. So in Scripture, we're often told to remember. And so that's what these boulders do, right? They're set up as a memorial, as something that makes us remember. Uh, We Uh, live in a society that erects monuments to different events and to different people that we want to remember, that we want to honor. And and that's exactly what these stones were intended to do. And and they were given instructions uh, about uh, how to set it up, how to remember it, and and what to say when they were asked about it. Uh, And in it, I, I think we see, even in our time, a call to be bolder believers. And yes, I know that's a play on words, that we do need to be more bold with our belief, Uh, but we do need to have these markers in our life that give us a chance to sit back and and reflect and and remember God's work. See, boulders remind us to remember the stories that have shaped us. If you look again at verse 23, uh, it says, For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. This passing over of the Red Sea uh, was a formational moment for the nation of Israel. Uh, It was at that point that they made a decision to trust God rather than trust Pharaoh. Just prior to that decision, uh, they had been complaining that maybe they would have been better off in Egypt. And so Pharaoh's coming uh, to reclaim his slaves, and God opens up the Red Sea. They have no idea whether or not uh, those waters would stay up until they got to the other side, but they saw a way out. Would they trust God with that way out, with that salvation, or would they go back to what they knew and what they were comfortable with? Ultimately, they choose God and they pass through the Red Sea. And it was such a formational moment for the nation of Israel. Uh, God had the nation replay it a generation later going across the Jordan. And, and because they were going into the land that they were given to inhabit, they, God wanted them to remember how it started, the work that God had done in their lives. God wanted to make sure that Israel had a marker to help them remember this story that had shaped them. And so he tells them to set up these stones in the place they would stay. And we're told that that's at Gilgal. They have this place that they can come to and they can remember and they can look at a tangible marker uh, of something that happened and remember God's power, his might, his goodness. Don't we all need a Gilgal? We need those markers in our life. We're given at least one of those in Scripture. 
we're told that in a very real way, that's what our baptism is. It's equated by Paul to the passing through the Red Sea. And it is this moment in time where we can look back and say, this is what God did for me. Think about it for a minute. When you read through scripture, it says a lot about baptism. Most of what's written is written to people who have already been baptized. Think about Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Paul says, don't you remember what happened when you were baptized? And can't you look back on that moment and, and realize that that was the point where you had a funeral service for that old person that had been put to death and you allowed God to raise up someone brand new? Someone that would be used by God for his purposes. It's a point of total surrender, according to, to Peter in First Peter. It's this giving of ourselves, this turning over of ourselves and, and passing through the water. Again, Paul equates it to uh, passing through the Red Sea. Coming through that water is a decision point. So baptism becomes this marker uh, where we can look back and say, that was the point when I buried the old person. He's dead, and I committed at that point to live the rest of my life for Christ. Also, boulders remind us to relate the story to our children. If you look back at verse 6, it says, This may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, What do these stones mean to you? When your kids ask, well, What is this about? It is your chance to pass the story on to your children. God said these markers are, are opportunities to share God's power, God's story with children. See, children can participate in experiences, but not grasp their significance. And so they have to be reminded and told over and, and become part of that story so that it becomes more and more real to them so that they grasp how big a deal it is. And so we set up these things that help them remember. It gives them a chance to ask in case we forget to tell them. It reminds me of what was written by the psalmist in Psalm 78, starting in verse 3. It talks about uh, things that God has done, and it says, and things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children, but we will tell them to coming generations the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded to our fathers to teach their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. God's way of sharing his work has always been dependent on good, healthy families that embrace that work of God, that remember it, that experience it, and pass it on to the next generation. 
Another psalm, Psalm 71, verses 17 and 18, says, O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. The psalmist there is is anticipating generations that haven't even been born yet and wanting to be there for them to, to share that message. I have a preacher friend that used to pray that God would let him stay around until he could help convert his grandchildren. He wanted to be a legacy that, that passed that word on, uh, not only to his children, but also to his grandchildren. And understanding the significance and the formation of family and doing that, he wanted to be a part of it. And he wanted God to give him that opportunity. It wasn't even for himself so he could see his grandkids. He wanted to make sure his grandkids had the opportunity to know God. So I think it's a valid question for us to ask, what stories are we passing on? And just think about, uh, you know, a couple of chapters ago uh, when the spies met Rahab, when they come into Jericho to see what's going on. And Rahab had already heard the stories about how powerful God is. What stories are we passing on? What stories do our kids hear us tell? What stories do our grandkids hear us tell? Are they about the power and the, and the might of God? Or are we caught up in, in societal issues and things that make us sound cool to our grandkids? We need to be passing on the stories of God's greatness to the future generations. Boulders also remind us to repeat the stories to the world. Verse 24, uh, Joshua chapter 4, uh, says, So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you fear the Lord your God forever. And boulders remind us to repeat these stories to the rest of the world. As important as it is to pass it on to our children, we have to be willing to discuss it with the rest of the world. What we see in, in God's character here and, and throughout Scripture is that when God does a miracle, he wants an aftermath. He doesn't do the miracle just so that people have something to entertain them that day. It, it is to bring them to a point where they can't help but talk about God and pass that, those stories on to other people. So when we look at our own lives, when we look at the way we're going through lives, what stones can unbelievers witness in us today? What work of God do, do people see in us? What are they? What stories are they hearing from us about the mighty work that God has done in our lives? When God does a miracle, he wants an aftermath. He rescued us from our sin. He saved us from death. There's no greater wonder than that in, in all of our existence. What are we doing to share that with others? See, we're told by Peter that the most convicting of these stones that God ever laid was Jesus himself. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious— that verse is talking about Jesus himself. People rejected Jesus, but he was the most precious of all stones. He was laid as a memorial to the power of God. And we should be pointing people to that stone. 
but we need not forget that God has designed us to be living monuments to his glory. And for these Israelites, they set up these inanimate stones and people could look at them and and ask about them. But we're told that we are living monuments, living stones. The very next verse in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. As we look at the story of Joshua, as we look at the nation of Israel making a decision to follow God's path through these floodwaters of the Jordan, and he makes a way for them, and they put up a marker to remember it by, God has placed markers in this world for people to see, for people to be drawn to his glory, to hear of his wondrous works, and we are those living stones. We need to take that very seriously and realize why the monument has been built and realize that it's a monument to God's power and not our own selfishness, that we're here for God's purposes and not ours, and let him use us to proclaim his wonder, his glory in all the earth. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calirachurchofchrist.org, or Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. 